why am I always meeting the worst guys? Or why are all these girls so crazy? And then you literally learn about the attachment styles and you're like, wow, it's not even them, it's me. I have a more avoidant attachment style. He's my top five signs of an anxious attachment style. Oh, my husband has a more anxious attachment style. Your attachment style could determine the fate of your relationship. Avoidant partners tend to, at the core of themselves, want intimacy. They want a partner, they crave love, they want to be close to people, but due to their conditioning and their youth, they almost fear intimacy. And the ladies know this one. If you're arguing with a guy and he's like, man, you're always tripping, man, I got time for this, and he just shuts you down. If he's like a Rico sweeper, I call Rico sweepers guys that when they're mad at you, they block you on everything. Like, that seems like a headache to deal with, to be honest. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Hey guys, so I'm Natasha Renee and uh, I'm on the podcast today to talk about attachment styles and relationships. Uh, Corey and I had a little conversation in the DMs about it because we were like sharing, you know, some relationships we've been in and it was something that I discovered um, while just trying to you become a better person. I'm very uh, into self-development and finding ways to just be a better person, be a better partner better understand men and um, it's some information that I feel if more people knew about it would definitely help to bridge the gap between you know men and women because I feel a lot of podcasts nowadays are becoming very divisive where it's like men are over They're here bashing everybody it's literally right yeah. and um, I really feel it's time for women and men to like bridge that gap we don't hate each other we need each other and um, knowing your attachment style I feel is a good starting place to becoming a better partner Amazing. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I want to thank you for coming on because uh, I and I want to thank you because I feel like when we spoke on Instagram because I haven't met you before. Right. right. I'm like, yo, I just got a free hour of therapy. This is <laughs> crazy. It's right? so funny. And, uh, that conversation was so intriguing for me. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? Because I know you expressed like, yo, I got to come on. Definitely. But I'm like, OK, like like I always like kind of like vet people and like, yeah. well, what do you want to talk about? How can you give value? But then when you started speaking, I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we got we got to get her on. <laughs> yeah. and, and these days, um, attachment styles is a little bit of a buzz subject. Right. So right. I hear about it, but I don't know much about it in depth. I have yeah. talked about it in a previous podcast, oh, yeah? but I do want to get more uh, knowledge on it because ultimately I think everybody kind of wants to strive to have better relationships in their life, whether that's intimate, friendship, family, yeah. I think we can all improve, right? Absolutely. And it's something that I by no means think I'm a total expert on, Fair. but um, I have learned quite a bit that I share with people. Like I'll even ask, so what's your attachment style? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then I kind of break it down. And just the, the way that it helps you to be like, oh my God, I had no idea. That's why I was doing it. Because I think when people are in relationships and they kind of, you know, hit like a block or you know, disagreements start coming up more and you're like, why am I always meeting the worst guys? Or why are all these girls so crazy? Or da 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 da. And then you literally learn about the attachment styles and you're like, wow, it's not even them, it's me. Like, I didn't even know this is why I was doing it. And I feel like when a person realizes why they're doing something, it's so much easier to have like a lot more grace with yourself and also a lot more grace for other people. So mm. that's the pretty cool thing about attachment styles. Okay, so then let's like get right into it. Yeah. I know there's four major that's attachment right. styles. Mm -hmm. um, for the people that don't know uh, exactly what they are, can you uh, briefly explain a little bit about them? For sure. So uh, there's four categories. There is secure, anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. And those are the four categories. Okay, so... 
from what I heard, because we're going to get into a little bit about each of them in more depth. For sure. But um, what I heard, and I told you this on Instagram, is that someone had said to me, okay, you adopt these early attachment styles Mm -hmm. from a child and very early, maybe as close uh, as 11 months or something like that. Yeah, nine months. Like really, really from birth. Yeah. Right up until 11 months. They say like those formative moments in your first years is literally where you start to develop that. And it's from your primary caregiver, like the relationship you have with them. So I think a lot of new moms when they have a baby, fathers too, because it's a joint situation there. They have no idea that their like winging it situation is impacting their child psychologically already. I mean, we already know like being abusive is going to impact your kid, obviously, right? But they don't even realize like when a child's crying, you're like, oh, just let him cry or... Um, you know, just the different ways you may react when the child just expresses an emotion or behavior that you're not used to as a new parent actually impacts them in their adult relationships. And that's kind of like mind blowing to me. That is like super mind blowing to me as well. So then let's say like me, I don't have any kids yet, but like how, how aware do we have to be when it comes to attachment styles and our newborns? Because I think like, for example, my sister just had a baby. Yeah. And I'm not sure she's aware of the type of things that she's doing right now mm-hmm. while he's three weeks old wow. um, that can affect his attachment styles. What are sort of things that we should be looking at? Well, um, it says that um, with the attachment styles, basically, I think something that we have to be aware of or something that I would be aware of if I had a, a newborn is I would be very aware of the way that I react when the child is crying. Um, I know that a baby crying is probably not the most pleasant sound to anybody. It might make you feel like, what am I doing wrong? Anxious, like, are they okay? Because a child can't communicate verbally yet. The only way they communicate for, I'm hungry, I need to be held, um, you know, I'm wet, is literally crying. So everything has the same exact reaction, right? And um, I think the attachment style would matter by learning that affection towards your baby is okay. You know, realizing that if your child is colicky or your child has some kind of indigestion or your child just wants to be close to you, like really embracing that. I feel being as loving as you can. And I know postpartum comes in. I know being nervous as a new parent comes in. But I think something that I would definitely try to do with a newborn now that I know how much attachment styles matter is just really showering them with as much love and care and patience as I can. Because I'm real. Right. (laughs) And just realizing that that is going to impact them later, because I know there's some people that are like, oh, baby cry they'll be off they'll be okay don't spoil him that's a big word don't spoil yeah, him. especially in our culture right <laughs> the caribbeans are like don't spoil him put yeah. him in the crib you know yeah but you don't realize that when that baby is crying it needs something so what's the alternate this it's answering that cry every time or i honestly feel if it's if we're talking attachment styles what i've learned yeah every time they didn't ask to be here that baby Fair. needs you Fair. you know what i mean don't be like oh just put it down I'm, i don't think that you could ever spoil a a baby with too much love. Some people may disagree and be like, no, they got to learn to self-soothe. Why? It's a baby. Why do they have to learn that already? When they get older and they're toddlers, you can say, okay, right now is mommy time. Right now is you time and teach them different ways to regulate. But as a newborn, I don't, I personally don't feel that that's the right time, you know? And I don't think the child's going to be like some tyrant because you held it a little longer. Um, Especially at such a young age. But there are people that really will leave the child in there to end up sucking their thumb to like self-soothe because it just needed someone to hold it. Matter of fact, um, I don't know, you probably heard of the um, study that happened, I don't remember, like way back. And they said they wanted to know if babies 
like needed parents to actually like cuddle them and love mm-hmm. them in order for them to grow up normally. So I believe they took like a bunch of children, um, just did the, the minimum, like feeding them and um, changing them, but just left them untouched, like no affection at all. And the babies passed away in that study. I'm like, what kind of Whoa, madness? What, 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 what kind of study is that? <laughs> it was way back. It was way back. It was way back because I'm sure they're all in jail now or yeah. probably dead because it was that way back. But um, yeah, they wanted to know like if children just developed on their own or if they actually needed parents to be there and they absolutely need them. So I can understand how this study, well, that's it. I, I don't, don't quote me on the nature, but I just know those facts about it. I can't remember who did it. can't remember the, the person that did it. But if you Google, you know, the baby study and touching, you'll, you'll find the information. So okay, that wow. was, that was interesting to me. Back in the day, they used to do yeah, some weird stuff to even, crazy stuff. even to the mentally ill. They used to like put them in ice baths yeah. and electrocute. Like it was madness. Yeah, it was crazy. That so, was one of them. I want to get a little bit in depth on each of the attachment styles, yeah. and I want to be a little bit biased because I know I'm avoiding attachment. Yeah. <laughs> and we talked about a, we, sure a, we talked about that a, a little bit. So, yeah. can we start off with uh, being an avoided attachment? Like, what does that look like? What are the characteristics that I may have? I I, I would love to because <laughs> I, you you know it's funny. I actually seen a TikTok right on time yesterday, actually, and there was a lady saying that right now in the dating market, why it it currently is so tragic to most people they said because most people that are available right now are actually avoidant which is why they're not in relationships so i'm messing things up (laughs) well (laughs) but there's a lot of anxious people too because you know they tend to separate so whatever but um avoidant partners tend to at the core of themselves want intimacy they want a partner they crave love they want to be close to people but due to their conditioning in their youth they almost fear intimacy they're more logical based. They don't Super. really. Ass- I'm black and white. Right. <laughs> they don't assess people relationships just purely on emotion. It's more like, does this make sense for me? How does this work into my life? Um, I'm seeing these signs that doesn't really work for me. And they don't really approach it on this emotional. Oh, I need love. Da, da, da. At the core of them, they want that. But their mind rules their actions more so than anything. They are usually hyper independent. <laughs> so they don't really need people to feel happy. They actually probably prefer solitude. Um, in addition, whenever there's a problem in the relationship, and the ladies know this one, um, the, if you're arguing with a guy and he's like, man, you're always tripping. Man, I got time for this. And he just shuts you down. If he's like a Rico sweeper. I call Rico sweepers guys that <laughs> when they're mad at you, they block you on everything. I'm talking TikTok. Oh, no, I'm no. talking email. I'm talking yeah, phone yeah, numbers. Yeah. Whatever That's it is, they're just crazy. like, get away from me. They yeah, don't yeah. want any kind of contention. They may even say stuff like, I just need peace, man. I just need peace. Yeah. Huge. That's like, an, not to say men don't want peace if they're secure, anxious or whatever, but the the avoidance super want peace because yeah. they just don't do good with with uh, any kind of contention, right? That's an avoidant. The avoidance just, they, they don't like, they don't feel so comfortable with too much closeness. Like they like a little closeness, but when it gets too much and you're too in your space, like if you're a person who needs to call a bunch of times a day, always be by their side, can't do anything without them, they will back up from you. And they're the type that will ghost a person. They're the type that will not communicate their feelings all the time. And it's not anything that they're doing to hurt another person. It's just how they self-regulate. They need a little bit more space than say an anxious in their relationships. So what's the, is there a workaround where are people, like for me, like what you just explained, like that seems like a headache to deal with, to be honest. (laughs) I'm glad you said it. (laughs) You know, it does. It seems like a headache to deal with. So the people that we come in contact with, are they supposed to know these things and cater to that? Because I think that's a little bit of babying too. What do you think? I think that um, most people don't know. But the funny 
thing that's so like, I want to use the word unhinged about uh, an avoidant is they <laughs> literally always um, attract uh, uh, um, anxious partners. For sure. So they're the partners that are very giving, very loving, very empathetic. They need closeness. Um, they're the type that, oh my God, he said love you, not I love you. What does that mean? Like they're the ones that like notice the change in your tone, your body language. They're the ones that Avoidance, always, right? Avoidance always attract the anxious types. Like yes. they're yeah. always matching up. It's just like a push and pull between them. Two avoidance probably wouldn't date because they're both the type, you can call me, I'm not calling you, and it just phases out, they never meet, right? Um, and it always happens to be that avoidance and anxious attachment styles always seem to get together because it would seem that an avoidant wouldn't like an anxious, mm -hmm. but they do. They love that lovingness. They like the closeness, but they just don't want it. They want it on it. their terms. Thank you. And, okay. the, and the anxious just cannot really, they, they need that, like, they like to, the anxious person became that way because their primary care caregiver was likely like an avoidant. So what is, was, let's say, an avoidant, uh, how, what was their primary caregiver kind of like to make them? Avoidant? Avoid? Yeah. Negligent. Okay. Yeah. So they were the, probably with the, in a dysfunctional home where the mother, Caribbean, African, I would say Russian, mm -hmm. we grew up in a very, boys don't cry. For sure. Don't make me give you something to cry for kind yeah. of thing. Um, there's a lot of independence pushed on you. Like we are from the, what do they call it? The lock key? The, I can't remember the term for it, but it's when your parent says, don't open the door, don't do nothing. We didn't have babysitters. We watched ourselves. Yeah, because actually that's a great point because mm -hmm. I was thinking about it the other day. Like I was playing on the street from five years old all by myself. Pretty much, me too. And even when I speak to my mom about it, she like didn't have that like it wasn't like a safety thing for her. It was just like, okay, like he'll he'll figure it out. Yeah, as long as you got in before the street lights yeah. came on, you're good to go. Exactly. And we were very much outside. Now the kids today can't even go anywhere. They're just on their iPads all the time. But um, an avoidant really happens from, uh, I would say like working parents sometimes too, who are probably working overnight shifts. I find in the Caribbean, a lot of parents were like in the healthcare, nursing industry, things like that, or working multiple jobs. Um, sometimes fathers weren't there in the household. So that one parent had the burden of raising several children or just one or whatever the case was. Um, it's just an atmosphere for the avoidant to be developed where you needed love either from your mother or your absent father or your present father, but you didn't get it in the way you needed. And I don't want to say that they were bad parents. Yeah, they weren't yeah. bad parents, but it's just that the way you needed it, you didn't receive it. It didn't mean that they didn't love you. It didn't mean they didn't provide for you. It just means that the way they expressed it didn't meet your need because every child is different, right? But the avoidant had to learn how to, you know, I'm, I need love right now, but I, I'm not getting it, so I have to find it myself, mm -hmm. you know, or I, I really want to cry right now, but I was told I'll give you something to cry for if you keep crying or boys don't cry or things like that. And they literally grow up having to self-soothe all the time. Mm -hmm. So now they get to a point where they don't even know how to receive that, that love that they want all the time, they just get it from themselves. So that's where they're most comfortable. When they're super vulnerable or feeling attacked or hurt or just, you know, not as regulated in their relationships, they tend to go inward rather than expressing it. Yeah, that, honestly, you hit that on the money too because yeah. even just thinking about my own life, like my first sibling came around eight or nine years old. Okay. So I had to figure it, like I felt like an only child forever, even mm -hmm. though I have like five siblings now, but yeah. because the sibling came so late, like I was always by myself. Yeah, and that, that makes it makes total sense that you're an avoidant. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so anxious. <laughs> anxious. Now this is uh, a type that I was. So I, I I'm now I've I took a test recently, and I'm secure. <laughs> Why do I make it sound like so I wait, had? Okay, like so hold on. Before we get into the anxious, because yeah. you said you were anxious and you went to secure. Yeah. 
like, how did you come to the terms that you're now secure? You know, um, I, I did uh, the questionnaire. Like, I went through the sure. questions, but I know looking at anxious, I'm like, I remember feeling like that. You know, even though now, like, because the first time I took my test, it was that. But then I also looked at the characteristics of anxious. And I'm like, I remember acting like this. Like, mm. I remember caring about those things or reacting like that in my relationships when I was much younger. Um, and that's how I knew for sure, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of like WebMD. It's like, hey, are you coughing? Are you this? You're that? You're like, yeah, hell yeah. Oh, you're dying. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how I looked when I was like looking at the anxious description. And I could definitely see how I became secure because it took a lot of like, I think as you get older, you just kind of... It's a self-aware thing. Yeah. And, and as you go through different relationships and um, do a lot of self-discovery and just find like more of like a calm peace in yourself, you, you do become more secure. And mm -hmm. I have a lot more grace for avoidance and different types now that I know why they're doing what they do. So I feel because of that knowledge, it helps you to, you know, know where you are. Yeah, exactly. So then now I guess we can get into what it does an anxious um, attachment style look like. So the anxious attachment style, they are exactly as it's described, anxious. Um, they're the type that um, they need a lot of closeness in their relationships. That's the girl that literally will notice everything you do if your tone changes as I said before like not saying I with the love you um she's also a person that tends to be to need closeness if there's distance that makes her feel very uncomfortable if there's a conversation that she had with you and it doesn't get resolved within the exact moment she can't sleep she can't eat like she's just like what's happening why is this happening like she needs a lot of reassurance in order to feel secure in her relationships and matter of fact i actually ooh, i actually um took a little um screenshot of the descriptions because i don't want to miss things yeah, just in case yeah. there's someone who's Absolutely. like i need to know more and so if, sorry no why you look for that yeah. um it's kind of interesting because as you're reading that i'm like oh i have some characteristics from that one too mm -hmm. so there's stuff as like Avoidant anxious. Yeah, you, there there are um, some hybrid. Con, yeah, hybrid ones. Right, and I don't remember every single one, but there there you could actually have like a blend okay. of types. Because I when I took the the test, it said I was secure, avoidant, anxious. So that was Jeez. the order. <laughs> yeah. So it, it doesn't mean that you're like a full um, uh, type like of. You, uh, you go in just one category, and that's exactly. It. You could have a you, if you answer certain questions that fit into other categories, you they give you percentages like of okay. how much it was, how much it was. I don't remember. Fair, but fair, it, fair, fair. so that would make sense, right? So they say for an anxious person, um, relationship insecurities, fear of abandonment, they lack boundaries, mood fluctuation, highly sensitive, and overly accommodating. Mm. So those are the main. So the, like those are like the people pleasers. They are. Yeah. And they don't have much boundaries. It's just like, what can I do to help you? Oh, you know, da da da. And it's just like the girls that would be like, oh, so I co-signed a Range Rover for him. It's like, why would you do that? Oh, because he just needed some help and his credit was messed up. Like that's mm. the anxious girl. Like she'll do whatever just to make you super comfortable, even if it's killing her inside. Even if the relationship is literally the most toxic thing ever, she'll stay there because she just needs like affection and love. Like it, it, there's no no limit. Does that make someone miserable though? You know, I I don't know what it is, but I feel like... Why do they keep doing it? I feel on some level, um, they're just thinking the more I give... The better someday something will if come. If I just give a little more, that will make them do it. And you have to remember, sometimes it's not just about attachment style. Some of these anxiouses get into relationships with narcissists. Mm -hmm. And what they'll do is they'll be really great in the... Because there's three stages of narcissism, which... Um, 
I don't want to dive too deep in it, but there's like the love bombing stage, the uh, devaluing, and then the discard. And during that love bombing, the guy's perfect. He's calling all the time. He's linking. He's mm. making you feel good, blah, blah, blah. And if you are with an anxious type, they will do anything to get that first two, three weeks back. And they'll think, he is a good guy because I've seen the good. It has to be there. So they'll hold on to that. They hold on to it. It's literally, even if they've done like 20,000 disgraceful Bad things, things. <laughs> yeah. that little bit of the beginning of a relationship in their minds are thinking, it must have been something I did that made this change. I can get back to it. I can love him harder. I can give him more. If I love him like this, he'll give me more. If I give him this, he'll give me this. But that's not the way it works. And that's why anxious is end up getting in, you know, these really, really hard to get over situations once they leave the people like that. Now, I don't want to say people that are avoidant are narcissists. I don't want to say that or anxious or narcissists, but it is part of the reason I find a lot of anxious people still keep fighting for something that's 100% would dead you, end. Would you say that anxious are the more, are they the type to be in relationships all the time? Usually, because they hang on the longest they don't like to not be with a partner and they give so much more grace and then because they're so selfless and lack boundaries, they tend to let anything kind of happen just for, you know, having someone there. Like they need people there. So yeah, they may be in relationships a little longer. So you mentioned that you were the anxious type, Absolutely. right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, what, embarrassing. <laughs> so embarrassing. So what, what, yeah, so let's, why did I mind, do that? I would talk about it. If you don't mind, like, what were the characteristics that you were displaying while you were this uh, anxious attachment? Oh, I was hypersensitive. Like, I was the... I that's a cancer thing, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> no, I was literally the type that was, um, I'm checking your followers. Like, oh, he oh, likes geez. whores. Okay. <laughs> you know? Um, I was, like, the tone. And I think it is a uh, cancer thing, too, but... I notice tones, I still do, but that's just because I'm empathetic, right? And I, and I care about people. So if I come in a room, like my friends are like, You're, are you like psychic? Like, how did you know something was wrong? But like, I notice everything to this day. Like if your tone is different, your body language, all of that stuff. But I think you're just hypersensitive to people at all times. And um, you also asked like, how did I know I was? Or Yeah, how did you know? No, so I, I asked like what characteristics you were displaying while you were super anxious. Oh, like when, well, I would say the more negative side of it too was um, nagging. Oh. I was a nagger, queen nagger. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I would God. neg, neg, neg. And um, yeah. But your reasons for doing that is because you wanted, um, let's say, a void met? I was de definitely de with an avoidant. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, um, I felt like the more that I experienced, I just needed reasons, you know, like if he was being cold or if he wasn't being as loving, like I could not Accept rest. That. I couldn't even like I literally would be unable to like think straight. Even at work, I would just be thinking about that thing. It kind of takes over your mind when you're anxious because you're always constantly in a state of what can I do to make this peaceful? What can I do to make this person nicer to me? And um, I think it's I think a lot of young women tend to be anxious because you don't know yourself yet. You're still learning men. You're still kind of accepting who you are you have these physical insecurities you have you're not where you want to be in life when you're young you're still sure. with your parents or just in college or university so I can understand why a lot of young women fall into the anxious category but as you get older as you touch paper as you know yourself <laughs> as you go through a couple gremlins you're like you know what I don't have to put up with this I'm gonna cut you off and that's what happens because you just had enough 
So I feel like, you know, the girlies got to go through, you know, a couple uh, trenches in order to get to that place where you're like, I am, I know what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to be respectful to get it. And if it's not here, I'm totally okay with leaving you alone. So here's the thing. So now that you've moved closer to, no, you've moved to a secure attachment, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you don't necessarily notice the same things you did when mm-hmm. you were anxious, right? So mm-hmm. how do you now cope with seeing the same things but reacting different? Okay. You know, um, how could I put it? You could have a person that comes to your workplace every day and they don't really smile, they don't talk to anyone. And you're like, what the hell's wrong with Tim? You know, you think he's like a super weirdo. And then one day you finally have a conversation with him. He's like, you know, I don't really smile because my mom passed away like a couple months ago. I have grace. And, you know, I've just kind of been having a hard time with it, but I come here because I need to pay the bills. And I know I'm not really that talkative, but I also have social anxiety. So it's not that I don't like you guys. It's just that I get kind of nervous around people. Mm. From that moment there, you're no longer like Tim's a weirdo. You're like, Tim is hurting. Tim is a little awkward. So now I know to initiate conversations with him. And now he's nicer to me. He's more talkative. He may not be talkative to everyone else in the office, but I understand that there was a reason for it. So there's less assuming. There you go. And once you understand why someone's doing something, it's so much easier to react differently. And I think the reason why people remain anxious is because one, they don't even know what that is. And two, they, they, once they learn the reason for their behavior, there's a lot, as I mentioned in the beginning, there's a lot more grace, there's a lot more understanding, and you don't react with this sort of like, I'm being attacked, I'm a victim, or there's something wrong with them. You're more like, I get it, I understand it, and I know how to deal with it. Okay. Yeah. So, I know we t- we touched on avoidant. We touched on anxious. I want to do secure. The last one. What's the What's the third one? Disorganized. Disorganized. Now, again, I'm gonna just go to the list because yeah, I love yeah, the no way worries. they kind of pointed it out. So disorganized. They are unable to self regulate. They find intimacy and trust very difficult. Uh, tendency to dissociate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lack empathy. Um, And they want closeness, but they're very fearful of others. So I know that kind of sounds like an avoidant. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say that. But it's a lot more chaotic. Is it more intense? Like they're as like you will you might see that person and be like, whoa, that person is cold hearted. They don't like anything. I would say that the disorganized. I've I've met avoidance, obviously, and I've and I've I've dealt with anxious but i've never really um disorganized yeah disorganized i can't pinpoint someone that i can think about maybe they're disorganized based on the descriptions and what i'm learning i would feel like a disorganized probably had a bit more trauma Trump in their childhood and i would say it would be more intense mm-hmm. whereas like even the avoidant might have had a parent that wasn't as lovey-dovey but the disorganized when you hear things like you know unable to trust unable to self-regulate like they're it's like i, I don't want to just pinpointed to one thing like I would say but I can say based on things I've heard foster children might fall into this category someone who is sexually abused may fall into this category someone who uh witnessed really traumatic scary things um like being kidnapped or something or just going through something that was just like more on the extreme side there you go I would I would feel more people like that would go into the disorganized category I wouldn't say it's exclusively them because as I mentioned I'm still learning and things but based on what I'm understanding and and looking at the description, I would say that they would be more there where they're still, as an adult, like haven't dealt with a lot of, you know, the things they've been through. Are they the type to be like, they're the, you know, that we all know those type of people that are like, ah, oh, the world's against me type of people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't think that they mean to be that way, but they literally. They've dealt with so much things. So much that they're like, I have not had an example of a 
trustworthy person. Everyone I've trusted has literally done me wrong. Every time I've tried to get close to people, it's literally been a scary experience. Mm -hmm. So they could look at the same situation. Like, actually, what's interesting, I remember I was reading a book. I believe it's called The Body Keeps the Score. I don't remember the author, but it's a book I highly recommend. Matter of fact, I was commenting. You know when you see a post and it's like, <laughs> what? And you go to the comments and then someone says something? Yeah. And someone was like, you guys have to check out the book, The Body Keeps the Score. And because I like to read, I uh, downloaded the book on Audible. And I was like, wow, this is really helping you to understand people. And one of the things they said was there was like some therapist and they had some children. There was like a, a group of kids that, you know, had a relatively normal childhood. And one's that group in the foster care system. And they were showing them pictures. There was like um, a dad under a car working on the car and the child was standing there to it. And then they asked like the group of kids that were like not exposed to anything too dysfunctional, what was happening? They're like, oh, um, the kid's watching his dad working on a car. And they're like, how, how does he feel? He feels good. You know, he's just playing with his toy or whatever the case was. And then they showed the exact same picture to a child that was in the foster care system, had been through, you know, some experiences like the disorganized. Oh. And he was like, the, oh, the, the man, he's going to harm the kid. The car is going to fall on him. It was like some weird oh, things yeah. that they seen. And I, I, I don't. I'm very careful with the wording I use, so if weird is triggering for anyone, I don't mean in an assaulting way, but it was just very out of the normal of what they seen when they looked at the very same picture. So, um, you that's know. That's crazy. Right. And and it that's what I'm saying. Like, you, sometimes you'll meet a person like, oh, this person's such a hater. Why would they think that? Why would they do that? But it's literally their thought process. They look at situations that other people could see like a normal situation, and when they're disorganized, they look at it like a threat. Like everything is off. And you may know people like that where you could tell them something good and they're like, oh, but da, 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 da. they might be disorganized. Wow. So it seems that mm -hmm. if you are more knowledgeable on these attachment styles and you're yeah. aware on in your everyday life with everyday relationships, you can potentially see the good in everyone. You can. Yeah, you can. I, I would I naturally am an optimistic person. Me too. So when I meet people, it's like I, I'm not even the sort of person that can call someone ugly. Like that's not wording Just I use. It is. <laughs> but no, some people be like, oh, he only has a face of mock. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's so hard for me to call somebody ugly. Like I've, I don't do it, mm -hmm. you know, because like, I always feel like there's some kind of beauty in the person at some point, you know. Um, but yeah, I think that's just part of it. OK, so let's go to secure. Secure. <laughs> okay, so secure people, they're warm and caring, um, trusting and forgiving, good boundaries, manage emotions pretty well, they're responsive and they're honest and open. Okay, mm -hmm. so some people, luckily for them, yeah. that they're born in secure uh, attachment styles. That would be beautiful, yeah. What, what did their childhood look like? What, their, what was their parents doing to um, make them secure? Secure children are the ones that are like free to express, you know, like the ones that want to paint. You ever seen those uh, kids on uh, TikTok and they're just painting on the walls and you're like, I would have got messed up yeah. for that. <laughs> they let them paint on the walls like, oh, he's just expressing himself. It's fine. You know, it's the child that, um, you know, they're even I know this is a very controversial topic, but the parents that are like, you think you're a little boy? OK, we're going to make that happen for you. Mm. And they let them do identify as what they want. Um, there's also like. Just parents that were very loving, very, sure. let's talk about it. You know, if you're feeling bad, give you a hug. Like, I've seen a lot of, what I love in the black community is I'm seeing a lot more fathers spending time with their sons, hugging them more, talking to them more, creating that safe space for them to be who they are, right? And I, I believe that a lot more kids now, which is good because 
our generation kind of went through some trauma. I'm not trying to throw our parents on the bus, <laughs> but we did. We, we used to get our, our butts tore up. Yeah. But um, I feel like the secure kids have, they, they know that they can go to their parents and talk. They know that they can open up and it's never scary. Fair. Mm-hmm. So I was on TikTok the other day yeah. and uh, I came across a TikTok. I'm going to play it on the when this interview okay. comes out. Right. And it was just this 21 year old explaining what she wanted. I, w- I want to play it for you and you let me know if this sounds secure to you. Okay. All right. Hold on. She, she's saying she's saying what she wanted in a relationship. Oh, you heard it. You seen it? No, I haven't. Oh, OK. Haven't. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And I was like, wow, she's so young and she's so sure of herself. Yeah. I was uh. I was pretty, I was impressed. Yeah. One okay. second. Mm. I think it was on my Instagram. I sent it to someone. Yeah. I was like, if my daughter is like this, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm wondering if it's one I've seen. Oh, was she the one getting interviewed? Where are you from? I'm from Yes, I remember. I remember well, how's the dating culture different in Miami as opposed to where you're from? I would just say it's more fundamentally transactional in a way that I think is off-putting. And how are they transactional? Like men want women for their beauty and women want men for their money. But you don't think that that's really how most relationships end up being anyways? Yeah, for sure, in marriage, when there's a lifelong commitment. But I think when, you know, a guy takes a girl out to dinner, spends however much money, let's just say like $500, $1,000 on a meal, and then she's expected to have sex with him and they just have that. I mean, that's fine for other people, but it's certainly not for me. Do you like going out to the clubs? No. Why not? It's loud and I can't hear myself think, let alone talk to somebody else. And it's just, there's drinking and there's just a lot. I just don't like it, it's not my scene. What kind of men do you think you'd run into at clubs and bars? men that I'm not interested in. I mean, I don't drink alcohol, I don't do drugs, I don't have sex outside of marriage, so for me to look for romantic prospects at a club is ridiculous. Wow. Okay, yeah, I love her. I, I, re- I actually um, did see that. I, but I seen another part of the clip where I think he asked her about, you know, being a virgin. A virgin, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that the part too. I seen, yeah. So when I seen that, I was like, yo, if I can raise, if I do have kids or yeah. do have daughters, if I can raise my daughter to be like that or answer like that, mm-hmm. I'll be like, proud. Yeah, I'll be proud. Her parents should be proud. So this is a secure attachment. Absolutely. She Jeez. she knows herself. And and at such a young age, I'm impressed, right? But I mean, she's not too young. It's nighttime and she's outside. So yeah. she's of age. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, 100, that sounds super secure to me. And what did you, what do you, let, let's play like a little guessing game. Like, what do you think her childhood looked like when she was young? I feel that she was definitely raised by example. Mm-hmm. Either that, or had parents that she wanted to be nothing like. Because I've seen I've seen it happen in two cases where you can have a child that's like, I'm not going to be anything like you, and they're the complete opposite. And then you, you and have, that's how they move into their secure attachment, right? Where they're just like, this is not what I want. This doesn't make me happy. This is not right. And these kids nowadays are so smart. They're well read. They're they're very politically correct in many cases. They're a lot more understanding of differences. There's less prejudice with our children these days. And I feel like, but to be honest, if I'm going to take a wild guess, I do feel her parents definitely led by example, and they made sure to let her know her worth. I'm assuming whether it's just her mom, her or both this her mom and her dad. Confidence in her. One hundred percent. Like they raised her to to carry herself with respect and to want good things. And I'm sure that her father treats her mother with respect. So it's something she's seen. It's something that she grew up with. She didn't see a woman being treated 
terribly or violently or whatever. And I don't even need to know her parents to know that. But it's either A, they were pretty messed up and she wants nothing to be like, doesn't feel like them in any way, or she was raised around healthy parents. But I, it's given healthy parents. <laughs> it's, it's given healthy parents. Okay, amazing. Because actually, you said something that um, yeah. reminded me of Dame Dash. And yeah. he was just like, he's so aware that he's treating his child's mother with so much respect, especially around his kids, yeah. because he doesn't want his daughters settling for anything less than what he's given their mother. Yeah. And I feel like those type of examples can really um, perpetuate your child into a secure attachment. Absolutely. And I, I, I know there's a lot of people in their 20s and 30s that are dealing with a co-parenting situation and they may be like, oh, my baby mama's the worst, or my baby daddy's trash. And they do all these things around their kids and not, not realizing that you have a silent recorder around you at all times. Mm. You may just be expressing yourself as a human, which you have a right to, but when you have a child, you have to remember there's have someone to have a watching. On it. There's someone watching, there's someone absorbing, there's someone learning from you. There's They're literally learning from you. That's why a lot of people, I feel. People want to have a kid because they see cute pictures on the internet or like, oh, I want a kid to look just like me. I want my legacy to be this. But it's it's a really heavy crown to bear as a parent because everything you do, everything you say, even the things you don't say, mm-hmm. plays a huge role in how that child can turn out, you know? So, uh, I mean, I love that ladies or the young girls, parents, whatever they've done, whatever they didn't do, whatever <laughs> yeah, is going yeah, it's on. It's working. It, I love it. Like, when I see him, I'm like, good for you. And that interviewer, he could be a little messy sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no shade. <laughs> he could be a little he's, he's He likes to instigate little yeah. things. And she stood her ground and very respectfully answered his questions. And I think the more he spoke to her, the more respect he started to give her. Because I've seen him ask questions. And I'm like, why would you ask that? Yeah. But that's his brand, right? Yeah, yeah, true. So, yeah. I've... Um, briefly talked about attachment styles on a yeah. previous podcast, probably about well, probably about a year ago now. Yeah. And she said that when you develop your attachment styles, yeah. that you can't really change them. Yeah. But you can work towards being secure. Yeah. And then when I, oh yeah, well, <laughs> no, no, finish. Oh yeah. So when I expressed that to you, you're like, no, I actually don't believe that. I'm a basically a walking testimony of yeah. changing an attachment style. Do you want to speak a, a little bit on that? Yeah. So I remember when we were talking, I was just saying, people say, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. I've seen and witnessed so many people come from the depths of poverty to the heights of riches. I've seen people overcome drug addictions. I've seen people literally come from abusive situations to healthy ones. I've, I've witnessed so many people in this world even turn from like, the occult to Christianity. I don't believe, especially based on what I know about the human mind, that if you really want to do something, you can do it. I will never let any podcast or any person tell me I can. Now, granted, if you have mental illnesses, other things like that, it could be a little bit more difficult for you. Now, one of the attachment styles they said that is uh, more challenging um, to get out of. Yeah, I already know. <laughs> Disorganized, they said now. Yeah, we can do, we can only work with what we got here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm okay. learning, I'm learning. Right? So disorganized, they say, is more challenging. And based on what I, I know, I can see how that could be true. But I do believe, and when something they said, they said that you can move to a more secure attachment style. You may have moments where you kind of backslide, just like in Christianity. And I don't mean to bring religion into this, but, you know, you're not ever going to be perfect at anything. You may not even be wholly secure and have little moments where certain things may make you feel anxious or avoidant. 
but there's it is possible to definitely move from one to the other. I feel the more you know, the more aware you are of it. You know what I mean? And if yeah. you constantly work on yourself, because we're always working on ourselves every day, you can become more consistent with it. With repetition, with desire, with just wanting to make your relationships work and wanting to be a better person. You, you might have your off days, you know? We, women, we go through PMS some days. I'm like, <laughs> not the nicest person. Yeah. But yeah, you can definitely move to more secure for sure. Okay. So these days yeah. in our, uh, I would say, dating culture or mm-hmm. just society, like there seems to be a big disconnect, right? Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I always said, like, I don't want this podcast to be about men bashing women, women yeah. bashing men or what, whatever you claim to be, right? Yeah. But there, let's just call it for what it is. There is a disconnect. Absolutely. Right? And when I was thinking about this conversation and preparing for it, I'm like, man, I was seeing, I was just reading a little bit about each one. I'm like, if more people knew about their own attachment styles and let's say other attachment styles, the the dating culture might be a little bit healthier than yeah, what we see yeah. today, right? So I have a question. I admitted that I was an avoidant mm-hmm. attachment, right? Mm-hmm. So does that mean that uh, like if I'm getting to know someone and they're, let's say they're anxious or I'm realizing that they're anxious, is that like a red flag to be like, whoa, I got to stay away from you? You know, funny <laughs> enough, they, <laughs> the secure type said to stay away from avoidance. <laughs> they're like, just avoid them. They're only going to give you stress. So wait, wait, say Avoidance should guys avoid <laughs> secure attachments? No, they, they're telling everyone to stay away from the avoidance, period. Oh, jeez. Because <laughs> they're harder to date, and it's just like kind of like a never-ending battle. But on the on your side of things, dating an anxious person, is that a red flag? Not red flag, sorry. I shouldn't say like they're okay. the problem. It's okay. But uh, is that something I should be like, ah, this might be one, f- this might be a rocky one. I think everyone is always aiming to be secure. Fair. I think in any relationship, you're with um, or any partner that you're with, you guys should both through communication, through understanding, both aim to get to secure together. Of what course, is, sorry, not to cut you off, yeah? but what does that communication look like? Communication, I think for secure partners looks like you're able to discuss differences without making it seem like I need to win. It's like a we need we are talking so that we can get together. It's never opposing. It's like this is something we're getting through together. It's not me versus you. No, never. It's just like, oh, I can understand how that made you feel or I understand how that made you feel and trying to work together to create a safe space for communication all the time. It looks like um, allowing your partner to have a life outside of you, not feeling the need to constantly control, um, not doing manipulative things in order to get your way. It looks like being secure within yourself so that when you're with a partner, you know that you're worthy of love. You know that you are allowed to have boundaries. And you're, you also realize that if your boundaries are being crossed in a disrespectful way, that leaving the relationship doesn't mean you fail at relationships. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It's just that this person is not able to meet you where you are in your journey, and you're completely OK with that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think if you're meeting someone who seems anxious, having that conversation, letting them know that you do struggle with avoidant tendencies and being like, listen, you know, sometimes uh, you may call me and you don't get me. It's not that I'm ignoring you. No, I'm not laid up with the girl. Don't tell me to have a good life. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really that just sometimes I just need a couple of hours after work to kind of regain my mind because my work is so taxing. Um, but I promise to create space for you. Like I'll always call you before the end of the night. You know, if we get in an argument, I, I don't really like to head on deal with the situation I kind of just need a little time to think because I find that when I'm 
like triggered, I'm a little rude and I never want to be rude to you. So I'm working on that. Like I've had times in my relationships where I've been like, you know what, today I'm just dealing with a lot. So I'm going to need a couple hours to myself. I just don't want you to think I'm not picking up your calls. And the person's like, wow, I need to do that more myself. And I'm like, do what? And they're like, you know, just let you know why I've done that. And I'm like, oh, no, it's cool. Just want to let you know. So I think it's and just tone matters, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely tone. And um, just being cool. Like I even had a friend come to me today and they had something that their boyfriend was doing. And they're like, should I call him, girl? Like, what should I do? Because look at this. Look at this. Look at his story. Da, da, da. Yeah. And I was like, say nothing. And she's just like, why? But like, it's messed up. And I said, you just argued with him like two days ago. I'm like, what was his reaction? She's like, he was not feeling it. I said, okay. I go, you don't really like what you're seeing right now. I go, before you jump to the conclusion that he's trying to disrespect you or he's trying to do whatever, I go, let's practice an observation. Like, just watch him over the week, you know? And when the time is appropriate, because he was actually at work when she seen something she didn't like. And she was about to call him while at work. Mm, that's not really Timing matter. matters. Yeah, yeah, timing does matter. <laughs> right? Don't do that right now, because he's not going to be receptive. Even if he wanted to be open to the conversation, he's going to 100% be dismissive because it's not the time. Yeah, Your tone is going to be emotionally reactive because you're doing it based on being angry. You're not going into the conversation regulated and chill and just wanting to understand. You're like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. That tone does not work. Pure emotions. Men don't like that. I had to learn that way. <laughs> they don't like that. They're like, who are you talking to? And yeah. if they don't even ask you who you're talking to, they'll withdraw from you. Because I don't feel that most men enjoy, I don't think anyone, but men especially, they don't enjoy like aggressive confrontation so yeah working on that matters like no understanding yourself so that you can always approach things calmly not like i'm not going to pretend that we're always going to be calm and zen you're going to have moments where you're emotional but being secure is where you can really be pissed and realizing yourself if i react right now i might say something i can't take back mm. and if i really love this person and care about them i'm going to force myself because i'll tell you there's been some times i was just like i'm about to light this person up <laughs> and i had to bring myself back and trust me i was cursing them where i was he can hear me i can call him and text yeah. him but after i got it out by myself in my journal and i was like Whew, okay that felt better then i gave it a couple hours and then i hey can we talk you know mm. or brought it up in a really calm way i don't think it's healthy to react when you're mad and if you happen to be in front of them walking away from the situation but you know be like i just need a second yeah, yeah not like kicking something yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then cutting so so what i'm learning yeah. just from that is like being a, a secure attachment style you're mm -hmm. still gonna have similar emotions when situations come you have the but exact emotions sometimes it, but you just have that buffer yeah and then it's how you handle them now yeah. that will make you more secure yeah uh, opposed to what you were before i definitely feel the only thing that has changed with me is i have a buffer some people don't have the buffer. Mm. I don't really think in every situation, it's kind of like being at work, you know, when Susan comes in with the nonsense and you want to tell her something, but you're at work, so you know you can't just say that. I feel like if people could maybe have that same buffer they have in professional situations mm. with the person you love more than any one of your coworkers, it would help. So I'm super black and white. So mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you maybe it's just some practical ways to yeah. develop that buffer. Because mm -hmm. I, I heard you say journaling, right? Yeah. What else? Let me just think of the things I do. Or even like writing something down, throwing the, like writing Burning the worst down, yeah. throwing the paper away, and then. Buffering, I think um, pausing is okay. I don't feel every moment needs to be filled with words. Um, so I've actually had a time before where something really rude was said to me, and I just didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. I didn't text back, I didn't say a word. 
And that person on their own came back and was like, you know what, that was that was that was a lie. But would you say like that for that situation, would that be avoidant or it could feel that way, but it wasn't more so like ignoring them. It was just like I knew that if I were to add to it, it's a, it's a boundary. True. If someone comes in and they say something to you very disrespectful, you can verbally say, hey, you can't speak to me like that. And there's also just not adding to that energy. If someone comes to me and I'm in a club and they're like, man, you stepped on my shield. Like, I could just be like, my bad, and walk away. Or I could stand there and be confrontational. Like, I don't believe... Avoidant is like not just one action. It's like a series of actions that make fair. you avoid. Okay, that's fair. That's right? Fair. Um, I don't think having avoiding something that could turn violent or or bad it makes you an avoidant person. I think it's just sometimes it's best not to put your energy in something that's hostile or that's disrespectful. Fair. I think anybody, no matter your attachment style, if someone's being very rude to you, engaging further is is not going to help you. I think getting out of the situation is an act of love and respect for yourself. Fair, fair. Yeah. So uh, when we had our Instagram uh, voice note um, exchange, yeah. you gave, you said something so interesting, and it was just like, I feel like this could help a lot of people in yeah. getting to know people better. Yeah. You're like, ah, man, you gave me a list. You're like, ask them what book they read. Ask them this. Ask them that. And I was like, wow, like, you know, like, I never really thought about, like, getting to know someone. It doesn't matter what type of relationship it mm -hmm. could be. It could be a friendship. Because you just want to know mm -hmm. who this person may be. Can you uh, say some of those things that you're telling? Do you remember? You know, <laughs> it's it was a while. Yeah. Was so a while. Uh, you're talking about like just like you know, ask them what book they read. Ask them like you're just saying you know I can pull. I don't. I, you know what? I might pull up the voice note and put it on. Oh my god! <laughs> no, but it was such good advice because I never looked at it like that. Yeah. Like you know, asking people just a series of questions mm -hmm. just to find out who they really are. What are their interests? Yeah. What are the disinterests? I do remember you're okay. jogging the memory. So. Um, I feel a lot of times when people meet, um, they ask questions that are unnecessary. Why do you need to know if they like Pepsi or yes, Sprite? Yes, yes. That's that's what I was talking yes, about. Yes. Um, asking better quality questions in everything you do, no matter what kind of um, relationship it is. relationship it is, it enriches your your communication and relationships with people. Um, if you really want to get to know a woman, if you if you really want to get to know a man, one of the laziest kind of things I've been seeing on podcasts is, "What do you bring to the table?" Fam, ask questions, pay attention, because I could lie and be like, I bring beer things, and I don't bring nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just yeah. trying to get in your life. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? <laughs> trying to get in your life. So I'm just saying you have to literally watch people. Because cool. I can say anything. I could literally be like, yeah, Beyonce's my cousin. I'd never met this woman a day in my life. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, watch what people do. That is going to tell you everything you need to know about that woman, about that man. And if you do want to ask some questions, you know, find out. So, you know, what's the last book you read? That girl ain't read a book since school. I'm not saying she's she's slow or anything, but it lets you know a little bit about her. You know, um, find out what her goals are. What does she want to do in life? She may have a job, but is this her dream job? Does she have any other aspirations? That can let you know a little Hobbies, bit about... Working out. Right. Like, you're a super ambitious guy. You have your company. You do the podcast. If you're dating a girl that's just maybe just working a nine to five and that's all she does, she doesn't go out, she has no friends, you might realize that that person in a relationship with them may need you more often than somebody who has like a full social calendar or has a good balance of a little bit of them time, a little bit of relationship time, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if people... Sorry, not to cut you off. Yeah. I will say, <laughs> like, I used to think that I, I like, you know, I wanted an entrepreneur, this or that, but like someone just as crazy as me, I don't know if I can do that. 
<laughs> that's, that's, that's very self-aware yeah. Corey. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little much that's a little obsessive that's a yeah. little like I, when it comes to this entrepreneurship uh, it gets a little crazy so I don't know if I can I, w- I, I, I think it, me. I think you definitely know what works for you and that's good and I, I wouldn't say you need someone exactly like you Fair. and a person could be a little bit of your opposite but I think it's just about I don't think entrepreneurs can't date I think it just depends on how they look at what they do Fair. some women are like super bosses and they are literally like what do you bring to the table I need a man who makes I this and they're some. very I know some <laughs> they're very aggressive they're very aggressive with, with the what the where I am and where you need to be yeah. you know and then you have others that are like yeah I actually have a very successful hair care company and I it's just my passion um, but they're very still open to love. They don't have these rigid requirements. That doesn't mean that they sell for less, but they're just, they, they don't equate their value to how much money they make. Ooh, that's a big one. They don't. And and that's why they're easier to date. So it, I don't think it really matters. And I've, I've seen millionaires and billionaires online that they're just so chill. And you wouldn't even know by looking at them or anything that they're into that they're even as wealthy as they are. They're just real chill and down to earth. So I don't believe every single person that has a lot of money is messed up. I don't believe every single woman that is an entrepreneur is going to be arrogant. Mm-hmm. There are some that are super humble and they actually dedicate most of their finances to like humanitarian cause. So I think, again, asking those questions yes. will help yes. to qualify if that entrepreneur is someone you can date or if she's someone who will maybe give you more of a masculine energy that you don't really like mm. as a man. Mm-hmm. Ever thought about being a therapist? I get that. <laughs> you know, you're like the seventh person that said yeah, that to yeah, me. Yeah. And have I ever thought about it? I feel... No. <laughs> no, right? No. <laughs> no. I just I just like to learn. I, I like to read. You have a growth mindset. Yeah, I like to read. I like to learn. I like to improve. I I'm not one of those people that feel I know everything. I mm-hmm. don't want that to be communicated in the interview that I know everything. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I love not knowing everything because if I felt I knew everything, what else is there to do in life? I want to constantly learn. I want to constantly grow. I want to like heal things that, you know, I'm still healing or you know, grown ways I can, I felt you about to say something. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, <laughs> like because, hold on. you know, like, I, I super respect that you just said, like, you know, like, you recognize not being, like, perfect in this no. like, type of subject and stuff like that. No. So, like, without getting into, like, super detail, mm. what are some personal development challenges that you may be going through right now, even going through that transition into becoming secure? <laughs> Every time it comes to talking about me, I'm like, okay, well, it started when I was three. No, I'm joking. No, um, things I'm working on is just one thing I am, I'm not the best. I, I wouldn't say I'm not the best at, but it's something that I, I know I'm actively always working on is letting go. Mm. I might physically let go. I might seem let mentally. go, but mentally those, you know, when you sit up at night, you're thinking about all the things you want to do in life or just where you want to be or you know, the the things you want to provide for your mom or your kids or whatever. Like, I feel like one of the things I'm actively working on on a daily daily basis is letting go of things I can't control and just embracing the now, embracing where I am, being grateful for the things I have. Um, Just giving myself as much softness as I can, not necessarily being obsessed with the soft life, like not wanting to put in any effort and have someone else take care of me, but just really just... Give yourself grace. Just the grace, just basking in grace, basking in like... It's cool. Like everything's gonna be good. God got you. Just yeah. say your prayers. Be good to people. Put in the effort. You know, faith without work is dead. Just really enjoying things. Like I'm constantly reminding myself, no matter what's going on here, no matter what's going on there, that everything's gonna be blessed. And if it's not, it's not the end. It's if it's not, that means you know there's another day. And that's probably where what I always work on. And even when I find myself being less than perfect, 
maybe having a reaction where I'm like, damn, that wasn't really cool. One thing about it, a lot of men say women can't apologize. I don't mind apologizing. And don't call me a unicorn. It's I'm an adult. You know, if I'm wrong, I have no problem being like, I was wrong. If I was disrespectful, I have no problem being like, you know what? The way I spoke to you was not cool. And, you know, I know you could have reacted a lot more harshly towards me, but I want to apologize for that. I've done that plenty of times. And if you are my ex or someone I was dating, you better hop up in these comments and defend it because you know I apologized. Don't come on here and talk about No, she don't. Because I, I apologize. I got the receipts if you don't. Mm. Okay, lit. Okay. Honestly, that's a lot of information. Yeah. I want to ask you two more questions, though. And um, yeah. one of the questions, what we do on this podcast, is yeah. I asked the previous guest, to ask the next guest a question, but they have no idea who's coming on the show. Oh, wow. So I'm going to pull it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see what we got here. You're pulling up a question? For yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. No, no. Sorry. I'm pulling up the question that they asked that oh, you're going to answer. Oh, man. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different. Um, hold on one second. I'm nervous. <laughs> All right. Ready? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is there one part of your life that someone else can relive for you? What would it be and why? A part of my life someone else can relive? You know what? I would like my daughter mm. to relive my childhood from ages. Like just the part of my childhood I really enjoyed. I want her to relive what it was like bike riding unsupervised in a small town to the lake with your friends, building a fort, playing manhunt. Being outside all day. I want her to be outside. <laughs> Why are you always in the house, TikTok, always dancing every 10 seconds? Like, can you go outside and ramp? Like, yeah. <laughs> gallivant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gallivant a little bit. Yeah. I want, I would love for her to do that. And I know it's kind of like, I know she's going to watch this. Like, but you said I can't go outside. What are you talking about? Mm. But it's because now it's not as safe, you know? Sure. And it's not, it's not the same kind of like, economy is not the same kind of safety as back in the day but i would love for her to be able to like build a fort just find random pieces of wood that the yeah. contractors left around and just to be like just see what it was like to have that that real childhood where it was just outdoors we didn't have the not phones. that digital childhood i wanted to play with the duck hunt gun yeah, you know? yeah, yeah I, remember that. <laughs> I wanted to i wanted to have the duck yeah, hunt gun yeah, yeah. where she's just like yeah you know or be, get, being put in a full nelson by your brother because you had the controller that day she has no siblings right yeah yeah, I can't help her with that. <laughs> I can't help you with that. But like, I, I would love her to have. I that would part I would love. I would love for her to experience what it's like to have siblings and you know getting WWF moves put on you and crying and everyone getting. Well, I don't know about the abuse part. Cause we used to get fucked. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I would I would love for her to just experience like just the normal the birthday cakes that were just like the weird little icing and the sprinkles. Now she has like cakes. It was like, well, her last cake last year was um, Tyler, the creator. Oh, jeez. It was so fancy. Yeah. It was like four bills. Oh, God. <laughs> I never had no four bills cake. It was Bucket KFC. Yeah. And your cake from Zeller's yeah, or yeah, wherever. Yeah, or Little Dairy Queen. No frills. You know, yeah. a little whatever ice cream cake. She's having like custom cake. I never had that. Jeez. I was in the trenches. Like, we, <laughs> we didn't have that. I would love for her to be humbled. I would love for her to live a non Not. I wouldn't say I want her to be like struggling, but I would just like her to know how much like love and and joy was in just having like a chill childhood okay dope. Mm. and uh the last it's like a two-part question yep what is the best advice that you received mm -hmm. and what is the worst advice you received and you don't <laughs> gotta say any names <laughs> i'm gonna call you out um the best advice 
the best advice. I'm, I'm, the best advice I think I ever received from anybody would probably be like my grandma. Mm -hmm. And um, I wouldn't be able to say, there's no like strong quote, but she's always told me, um, you must have respect for your elders and that you can be as rich as you want to be, as beautiful as you want to be, but when you have respect for others, it will take you so much further in life than any kind of money or any kind of possessions that you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And um, she always said, put God first. Mm -hmm. I know it's very simple advice, but every time I put God first, the blessings follow. Anything that's hard for me or difficult for me that I don't have the strength or capacity to manage, God has seen me through. So the, the having respect for people, no matter how much money they make or who they are, has really helped me. That I'm so glad they put that in me from young, and having God as well, that's the best. Okay, and the worst, no, no names, please. <laughs> Not get in the trouble. best, the worst advice. Oh, you got to get under someone else to get over somebody. Oh my God, why Ooh, would you elaborate? Elaborate on that. <laughs> so I used to have a little bit of a. Lady of the night friend. Is that the, is that <laughs> the best? Of the night. I don't know how to, I don't want to be rude, but a friend that was kind of, you know, and she's like, you know, the best way to get over guys to get under another one. And I used to be like, I, even when she said it the very first time, I was just like, what kind of advice is that? So I have to go get with somebody else to get over someone, which is kind of like an avoidant kind of behavior because you're not facing your emotions. You're just getting with someone right away. I think that's the worst advice in the world. And I will elaborate. When you come out of something that is like rough, and you just jump into something else, you're literally using that person as a buffer for your feelings. You're using them as like a dumping ground. And remember, they don't know nothing about you. So they're gonna think you're amazing. Oh, you're so well-spoken. Where have you been all my life? All them type of things. And as the mask falls off, as you get to know them, that person too, every Thanks. single person you meet will always have their strengths and their weaknesses. And it's not gonna be perfect. But when you come with that trauma from your last relationship, you spend no time reflecting, you spend no time healing, feeling the emotions all the way to the surface, I feel like it's like a pressure cooker. One day it's going to come out. And it's going to come out in a way where not only do you have to deal with the last relationship, but now, now you have you, to deal with this one you just started. Fam. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much. So it's just like, why just heal? Like, I know healing sucks when it's by yourself because some people feel things so deeply that it's like hard. They don't even want to face it because the last time they went there, they felt suicidal. The last time they went there, they couldn't eat or sleep or nothing. So they avoided it. Like, I'm never going back there again. If I got to use this person and not feel that, I'd rather do that than do this by myself. Mm -hmm. But there is 100 percent um, power and strength in learning to let those emotions come to the surface in a healthy way and healing. Fair. Wow. Yeah. So, Natosh, I want to... Thank you for coming on. And you gave a lot of information. <laughs> and I know I, I do want you back on this podcast because yeah. I know some of the information we can go dive even deeper yeah. on just like maybe um, the sub subjects of attachment styles and yeah. stuff like that. So but I feel like this was a great uh, way to start uh, this type of conversation. Yeah. And uh, I'm happy that I I. We entertained that DM back and forth <laughs> because I I, I swear to you, yeah, I, I, yes. I swear to you, it felt like I got an hour free of therapy, and you sent me some. I'll be sending you a bill. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and you sent me a, a work uh, like a workbook. I, I still, I'll be uh, honest, I haven't touched it yet, but I yeah. do plan to. I'm judging you. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, all in all, I just want to thank you for coming on, and you're, uh, welcome. you're welcome back anytime. Thank you for having me. No problem. I had a, a lovely time talking. And I, I hope you guys gathered something from this. I hope you learned something from this. Um, 
I don't have all the answers, but Google does. <laughs> and I think if you Google your attachment style and learn more about yourself, it's going to help you in your relationships. And I really hope that podcasts, people that buy the mics, you have some responsibility and it's not to divide men and women, but you know what? Let's, let's try to meet in the middle. Like we yeah. all want love. You know what I mean? I so. agree. I'm sorry. Before we leave, can you let everyone know where they can find you? <laughs> you can find me in the club. So I'm <laughs> no, um, my page on Instagram is at Natasha Renee. Oh, it's okay. I heard you call me Natasha. See, <laughs> I say, I'm not one of those people. If you say my name incorrect, I'm gonna be like, excuse me. <laughs> my fault. I, I, my fault. You're not the first. It's fine. <laughs> like it's not the end of the world. But Natasha uh, Renee, and on TikTok, I give little little tiny relationship advice videos, and that's Natasha says. So. Yeah, follow me. <laughs> okay, dope. Mm. Uh, again, thank you for coming out, and um, I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. Black on black, getting faster than that facts on facts. Let us know, Pat, for Pat.